Hello and welcome back to the stress sessions. I hope you're well. I hope you've been okay since the lockdown restrictions have been slightly relaxed. It's been a bit of a crazy world out there and when you've been locked away for a little while it's been difficult going back into the real world. I know I've had a few blips when it comes to getting back to normal. If you're an anxious person or suffer from a mental illness it's important to take things one step at a time. Only do what you want to do and don't feel like you have to go straight back to the way that you lived at the beginning of 2020 before this all happened. You're listening to the first episode of Series 3 of The Stress Sessions and I've been so excited to share this series of chats with you. I really, really enjoyed recording them and I hope you enjoy listening to them too. I just can't believe I've done three series of this now. If you'd have told me at the beginning of 2019 that I'd be recording a regular mental health podcast... I'd have literally laughed at you because at that point I hadn't told anybody that I suffer from anxiety or depression. And now look where we are. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. So a little bit about this series. I'll be releasing each episode every Monday. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. And whether you listen on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Amazon or any other podcasting provider, make sure you help me out by downloading every single episode I need all the help I can get and if you think somebody might enjoy listening to the episodes or who might benefit from the topics discussed like your mum brother auntie best mate even your worst enemy please share the stress sessions with them I don't think my first guest really needs any introductions a born and bred Glaswegian who has had a hugely successful career in radio, television and film and now lives in Hollywood, Los Angeles. He's on your TV every single day on ITV1 and if you watch the television show Lorraine, you'll recognise his voice straight away because he presents the entertainment news every single day. Yes, it's the fantastic Ross King MBE. It was a real privilege to speak to Ross because he doesn't do many interviews because he's so busy. So it was great to speak to him about a topic I'm so passionate about. In fact, we did have this chat booked in before it was recorded, but we had to postpone because Lady Gaga's dogs had been, well, dognapped. But I have to tell you this, I was bloody nervous when I logged into that Zoom call. Interviewing is Ross's day job and he's very, very good at his job. So I built this up like I do every time I record one of these and I made myself feel pretty anxious. As soon as I started speaking to Ross... It was like speaking to somebody that I've known forever. He was so, so lovely and down to earth. So without further ado, I'll crack on with the chat now. So sit back, relax and listen to the stress sessions with me, Luke and the fantastic Ross King MBE. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, all good. To be honest, I can't believe that I'm speaking to you now because <laughs> you, I, I mean, I've watched you on TV for, for years growing you, up. You, you were my viewer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, so, honestly, I've grown up watching you on daytime TV since oh. I was a, a teenager. So yes, yeah, it's, oh, it's an absolute pleasure you. to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> so what is the one song? that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? Wow. I I have, God, one song. Do you know what? Can I pick three? I mean, oh. you're an MBE, so you, you, you can write I the three. rules. I can pick that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Here's, here's three that I, that I, I do. Um, uh, Gary Barlow, take that, Back for Good just always makes me smile and pray as well. So it's a really, when it comes to Gary and take that songs, it's pray and back for good. Um, if I want something really like bang, 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 I go with Jess Glynn, hold my hand. And then for a bit of fun and 
the lovely Mariah knows this, Barry White, my first, my last, my everything. Because we do, I don't know if you remember in Ali McBeal, they did the, when they were in the toilet and they'd all do the dance. And, and I just showed it to Mariah the other day. And that really makes me, it makes me smile and it just the whole dancing bit. So I love that. So there, so I'm sorry, I, I've not actually picked four songs. See, I'm very greedy. I do apologize, Luke. So I've gone with kind of four, but yeah. So I would go, I would go pray, hold my hand, first, last, my everything. They're good choices. I mean, I, you can't go wrong with a bit of Take That and Gary Barlow, can you? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And he'd be upset if I didn't. Because <laughs> you can see those, those are actually the handwritten lyrics to Back For Good. Oh, wow. Blimey. So that's, he'd, he'd be very upset. That's yeah. I, I, I haven't got as an impressive background. I'm, I'm impressed I've... by what you've got there, though. <laughs> Is this the whole... Are you selling trainers at the back of your... No, I, I started I started collecting them about three years ago, and I just oh, wow. sort of um, I buy I try and buy a well don't try I, I do buy a pair about every month, and really? my wife does not like it. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'd I'd hope that a lot of people that listen to this know who you are because you're you're pretty much <laughs> a household name. But can you just oh. tell me for the people of the podcast who you yes. are and what you do? Yeah, certainly. My name is Ross King. I'm a field footballer. <laughs> I've actually pretty much filled at everything, let's be honest. Uh, I've got a Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award, which I'm very proud of, and a cycling proficiency uh, badge as well. So that was good. Uh, apart from that, uh, I've, been, I've been around a long time now. Um, and if you're very young, you may remember kids shows like The 815 from Manchester. And then if you're a bit older, I did a show called Pebble Mill for a long time. And then jumping up to date, uh, Good Morning Britain and Lorraine, Lorraine Kelly's show. And then maybe in the theatre, in the Rocky Horror Show or Summer Holiday, a few, a few silly old musicals. So, yeah, a bit, of, a bit of everything and a bit of a writer. I wrote with a lady called Shari Lowe. We wrote a couple of, thankfully, bestsellers, Taking Hollywood and Breaking Hollywood under the name Shari King. And... Um, yeah, there we are. That's, that, that's, that's more than anyone ever needs to know or wants to know. That's it. So not much then? You haven't done nothing. Anything. Nothing. No, you no, could write no. down my achievements on the back of a postage stamp. Trust me. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and even and then you still have space. <laughs> and I bet you the cycling proficiency is top of your list. Probably. Oh, that's way up there. The, yeah. the Duke of Edinburgh bronze is pretty high. I mean, because that was it. It was so funny. Everyone, I think... You almost get your Duke of Edinburgh bronze just for turning up. When somebody's got the silver, you go, oh, wow, so you really went for it. My, my niece, Holly, she's got a silver and then was going to go for gold. And then when someone's got a gold, that's spectacular. So, um, yeah, so, no, bronze is still there. Maybe one day I'll go back and think about doing Duke of Edinburgh silver or gold. Oh, and I've got, I've got a, po- uh, uh, a Burns, Robert Burns certificate for reciting poetry. There's, an, there's another okay. one that's right up there. That's it. That's, that's, that's a bit special. And, and I got four Emmys out here too. So that kind of balances it all out. <laughs> News Emmys. That's, that's a pretty decent achievement, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you can buy in eBay. Let me just put that to you. <laughs> I might have a look after this. But before, yeah. before we talk about mental health, because this is what the podcast is, is about, is there anything in your life at any point which makes you particularly anxious i i think when i was younger certainly performing was something and i was very fortunate that mum and dad were both they were not in show business but dad was in the salvation army and mum played the piano and so they were kind of performers and you sort of fell into that thing where, because mom and dad were both musical, so then as a kid you would sing and then you'd be pushed forward a little bit, you know, it'd be a bit like at weddings, you know, oh, go on, Ross, get up and sing and things like that. And that used to make me quite anxious. And then um, playing a lot of football when I was a kid, uh, again, you know, that the night before a game, you'd be lying there. And I, th- I think... It took me a long time to realize, and this was an interesting thing, I think, was that my mum said a great thing. And I think I genuinely was about 22, 23 before I realized it. She would always say, as I left the house, you go, go on, son, just do your best. That's all you can do. And I would go, yeah, of course, mum, bye. And of course, you're thinking, just do your best. 
Well, of course you're going to do your best. But then I realized two things. One was to do my best, had I trained properly? Was I eating properly? Was I getting enough sleep? All the things that help you do your best. And then once you realize if you've done that, then when you do your best, that's all you can do. You can't do any better than that. So in my business now, you know, if I've gone for an audition for a role for something or a TV show or whatever, if I come out of it and I go, I did my best, then that's it. So there's there's no stress related to it because that's it. I did my best. And if that wasn't right for the job or the role, and George Clooney, Clang dropped that name, but George Clooney always said that thing about additions. He said, you, you don't have anything and you go into an addition and you still don't have anything. And if you come out of the addition and you don't get the job, you still don't have anything. They haven't taken anything away from you. So just think of it like, yeah, I didn't have anything and I still don't have anything. And on you go. <laughs> uh, and I think so much of that and, that, you know, stuff that I learned from from mom and dad and then stuff that I learned from going back to acting class out here uh, has really helped with things like that. I do really think as well, but going back to what you, you just said, that your mental health has a massive steer on how you're brought up and the environment mm. you're brought up in. Because I think that a lot of people that have a slightly more difficult upbringing are more prone to suffering from a mental illness in the in, well, in the future. Mm. So it's um yeah it's it's just it's just interesting that that always seems to be the case. But as a television and radio presenter and a, and a performer, you're constantly putting yourself out there for the world. See, so you're on national television every, mm. every day you must have had some form of criticism in the past. I've not seen any because <laughs> I think you're, you're a pretty likable guy. So I, I, I haven't seen anything. Uh-huh. How would you say that that criticism would affect your mental health and how would you deal with it? Um, it, it doesn't because, again, when I was very young and I had a couple of great mentors when I worked uh, in radio uh, as, as a kid, was that someone said to me, you know, whenever you do a show, whenever you do a, a play or a musical or a pantomime or whatever, when the, the crits come out, you know, the actual review of the show, someone said to me, you've got to take, if you're going to take the good ones, you've got to take the bad ones. And I thought, yeah, it's absolutely right. If someone says it was brilliant or we loved you, and if someone says it was terrible and we hated you, you have to take them both for what they are. And so my thinking on it all is that they kind of cancel themselves out. And also that simple thing, as I said about, you know, mom saying, do your best. If I've done my best, that's all I can do. You know, and if you get criticism for something and you know yourself, you know, either you didn't train hard enough for it or, you know, that say that night you didn't do your vocal warm up and your voice wasn't as not good for me not good but you know your voice wasn't as good as it could have been then you know criticism is is fair and also I've always enjoyed criticism as long as it's constructive um and anyone that I've worked with will tell you that you know I I think a I'm very self-critical but b I'm very open to criticism and I'm also open to criticism very quickly after I've done something. And it's a thing that I've had to learn myself in terms of other friends as to when to, to offer some kind of advice or criticism, because I, I can be on stage and come off stage. And literally as I walk through the dressing room door, someone can say to me, yeah, that bit wasn't funny or that bit was could have been better and I go yeah uh uh-huh I thought that myself or this and I can take it all in there and then a lot of people can't and you have to give them a day or sometimes three or four days before you offer up any kind of advice or or critique Um, so that's the thing that I've learned where I'm lucky and again I'm very lucky that I can I can take it right away but, you know, also, I think with, with what I do, with the business that I'm in, and especially if someone's coming to a show and paying money f- to see it, they've got every right to <laughs> criticize you or say whatever they want. Um, and so, uh, but but I, I think where you're kind of gearing it towards now is obviously is social media, which is just, you know, can be the nastiest place in the world. 
Mm. Um, and, you know, I get it. And I, I see a lot of people that get, you know, horrendous things on there. And it's, it is, it's just horrible. And you know, I remember Twitter when it started and um, I worked at a radio station, a TV station here, KTLA in Los Angeles. And I remember them saying to me, oh, Ross, you should join Twitter. And I was like, well, I'm not 12, <laughs> you know. And then when I, I got into a couple of things, it was this lovely, happy place. It was really funny that Twitter, people forget this, that in the beginning, Twitter was like Disneyland. Everything was lovely and we love this and we love that. And then it just got darker and darker and darker. And I do feel sorry for people. And I, I've spoken about this before to friends, not publicly. But, you know, I often think of, you know, the, the kids at school. And I still remember, I mean, I was very lucky that I didn't get bullied. Uh, you know, I went to school in Glasgow and it was, you know, it's tough. <laughs> you know, it's a rough and tough and a wonderful place, but it's rough and tough. That that person that got bullied, you know, then they would go home from school and then it would sort of stop and it'd be horrible for them. It would stop and then next day they'd go back in and there could be more. Whereas now it's nonstop. You know, they go home and then it's all on, you know, social media. So I, I just have such a degree of sympathy. With, with people for that. And I just don't know where where it's going to end. I don't know. Do, do you think, I, where, where do you think it ends? I mean, do, do eventually do younger people go, do you know what, enough of this social media malarkey. Enough. I don't know. What, what's interesting for me, and this is where I think it really started, and I haven't heard anyone else talk about it, is that in newspapers, when newspapers started saying, add your comments below, and I never understood mm. that because I thought, you you you're a newspaper and there's the story what why have people's comments below because why why <laughs> you know it's just there's the new there's the story read the story yeah. great you agree with it you don't agree with it you whatever but i just don't understand that and add your comments because as we all know 98.999% of the comments will be horrible because they're from people who just want to have their name there and say, look what I said, or look what I, you know, how I told them off or whatever. So I've never quite understood why that even began, why that culture. And then also, um, you know, when you look at a lot of newspapers now, a story is based on what's on social media. You know, it's like, oh my goodness me, you know, you know, social media appalled because, you know, somebody said something and then you, you actually read the story and you go, well, there was nothing to it. And I, I saw the person on TV and there wasn't anything to that now, but because you can, from a, almost like a lazy journalistic point of view, now you can just go, well, here's, here's the tweets. And so-and-so said this, as opposed to saying, we spoke to an expert or we spoke to the person or we spoke to their spokesman. It's just like, you know, you, the show should be cancelled, says social media, you know, or, and it is that cancel culture. And it, it's, a, it's a strange place. I mean, I must admit that I'm lucky, I think, to be at this point in my career now, rather than starting off. I think it, it could be horrendous for people. Well, it is horrendous. One, one thing I wanted to talk about was the Britney Spears documentary that was, yeah. that was recently on. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, you're, you work working you work day to day in show business and mm-hmm. I think watching that program kind of brought down to earth, I think for me, how harassed celebrities do get by the press. Mm-hmm. Is that still and and the way that it affects their mental health? Because obviously Brittany had a massive breakdown and mm-hmm. it affected her career quite a lot, but then mm-hmm. there's all these conspiracy theories going going around about yeah. uh, management. Don't want to get into that, but yeah. <laughs> probably for illegal reasons. Yeah. But what is? Did you see that still happening now? Because I think that that was probably something that happened quite a lot in the noughties and early twenty mm-hmm. tens. Because press had the access, whereas now, because of all this social media, yeah, they can, I guess, harass people online rather than physically in the streets. That's right. Yeah, that that is true. I think it's interesting when you look back. And a problem for a lot of perceived as famous people is that, you know, if you invite the press in, which a lot of people do, you know, the publicist will say, and, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples, but I won't mention people's names. You know, they will say, 
um, he or she will be at Starbucks in, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, she'll get out the left-hand side. He'll get out the right-hand side. She's wearing this make of shoes. He's wearing this jacket by whatever, um, you know, and, and it's all completely contrived and, and set up. And the problem is that when you do that, and then when people, you know, the press then want more, and then these people are going, no, 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 no. You go, well, wait a minute. You've got to play the game a bit here because you invited them in and you were saying all these things and you were feeding them stories. Um, and as we know, that's what happens. You know, the, the world is just like that. It definitely is. You know, they just feed, they've fed stories, you know, since, you know, the, the beginning of the movie business out here. Uh, that's what publicists have done. Although it seems now a bit more that publicists, their job is to say no. And I think, interestingly enough, as you said, because of social media, you know, you don't have to release a press statement the way that you know a press release that you used to do. Um, so that's quite a good thing, I think, from you know, for a lot of these famous people that you, they can actually go on social media and go, no, this is the truth, or this is what I perceive to be the truth, and all the rest of it. So that that helps. But again, I think you've got to be careful of people who sell stories to the newspapers, give them stories just so that they're in it. And then suddenly, you know, it achieves what they wanted, which is they become famous or whatever. And then they suddenly go, oh, I don't want this. You go, well, you've kind of, you've sort of gone down that path that uh, maybe there's no return from. Yeah, it's, it's quite difficult as well, because for instance, with the robbery that happened with the Kardashians um, mm. or Kim Kardashian's wedding. I think it was either last yeah. year or maybe the year before. Yeah. And she had posted on, I think her Snapchat that she was at a specific hotel or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and then was targeted by thieves. And I think it's, it's very difficult. I think from a celebrity perspective, because they have to promote what they're doing round the clock because that's what's ex- expected of them yeah. versus not having a private life. So it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know what what it might change in the future, but it's, yeah, it's, it must be a difficult mm. life, life to lead, I think. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm so lucky, I, you know, because I'm sort of not, I don't mean surrounded all the time by famous people, but I'm in contact with, you know, famous people a lot that I just think that, you know, you, you just don't want to be that person. You just don't want to see their lives. Um, you don't want to be them it's interesting that i think when you're a kid and you see all these film stars or pop stars you think wow that must be an amazing life but when you actually see a lot of it there's a lot of people not that happy i mean there's certainly you know there's exceptions to the rule but i think in the main you see a lot of people and they're not they're just not happy um and everything that we've just talked about contributes to it you know you whatever whatever you believe in whether it's god or many gods or whatever you know that expression of the do not give with with both hands <laughs> and i think that's true you know it's like we give you this but we take that away you know we can make you really famous but now we take away your private life we give you that that goes so i think that when people get into it, if they if they have a chance sometimes to think about those things then they might think differently yeah and i think that at the end of the day everybody's a human being even celebrities are not are actually normal people that have just are just very good at what they do or they're yeah. very talented or they've got lucky and it's it's I've, I've seen that when i've been recording these podcasts that every person i speak to is just a normal person and they have feelings they have mm. their their illnesses or whatever and it's even, even like you i i was i'd psyched myself up for speaking to you and i was thinking <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs> you know you, you, you sort of work yourself up a little bit yeah and, at the end, of, you're, you're just a, a, a lovely guy that, oh, that is you. very good at his thank job. You. So it's oh, thank you, it's, thank you. <laughs> but which, which, when you, so I, I get particularly anxious. I think when mm. I'm doing something that's in again in a, like a public face thing. So if I'm in yeah. an interview, if I'm speaking to a group of people, when you when you're in that sort of situation where you're having to speak to like a particularly famous person mm-hmm. or somebody that you think, oh God, they're Mm-hmm. at the top of their game at the minute I don't know how they're going to react to this certain question yeah how, how do you yourself cope with that sort of pressure uh well I do the first the first thing that I do and this was a thing that I got taught out here um 
in, in an acting class. And I, I put this into my life, which is you want to be present in the moment. Um, so you, I do three things and anyone can do this. And if you're, you can do this at home or if hopefully you get out soon and, you know, lockdown or whatever you get away from it, you can just do these things and do any three things, but do three things when you go into room or like, you know, when I'm chatting with you. So the three things I do, I, I look down at my uh, shoes and I give myself marks out of 10 for how clean they are, you know, even if it's my trainers or whatever. I look at the other person's eyebrows and see how close they are to, to like a unibrow. I then also look at their ears because uh, I've got big earlobes and I always look at their earlobes. And now I know this sounds ridiculous, but what it means is that you do three things and it can be anything. You could just think, is the person wearing a tie or is the person not wearing a tie? If you do those three things, it kind of anchors you and then you're present in the room. And I've, I've done it for just meeting with friends. I've done it just for chatting, you know, in, in an addition. Uh, and again, if I'm about to go into a room as well, I'll do that thing because then you're present in the room. And again, it doesn't matter if you're interviewing George Clooney or Julia Roberts. You know, we, we all know that feeling where, and again, it'd be like, an, uh, you know, an interview or something. At the end of it, you suddenly leave it and you think, oh my goodness me, what happened there? That was so fast. That all happened. And I didn't see this. And what happened to them? And did they do this? And and I've now come out of auditions and people have said, oh, that was just crazy. And I go, well, in the room, there was the director, the producer, there was the script writer. Then there was a poster of, you know, a James Bond movie behind them. There was a clock in the wall. There was a basket. There was a plant. And they go, how did you know that? And I say, well, just because I was present and it makes such a huge difference. Um, and I think that's, that, that was a huge learning curve for me. I've, I've not heard of that. Well, I've, I've kind of heard that one before, but mm-hmm. not the way that you've just explained it. So yeah, I'm going to try that because that sounds, yeah. it, it's kind of like surveying the room, isn't it? It's kind of sussing the room out so that you feel comfortable in the situation that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just being present because we all, especially now with, you know, it's like, you know, you, you just need to go to any coffee shop and you look around and there are people sitting there, whether it's families or it's couples and everyone's just in the middle of it going, uh-huh. And then they're looking at the phone and then they're taking things off and then there's the text and something, or, you know, then they're, they're doing selfies or, you know, every, everything, everything other than actually being present and, and concentrating on, you know, the chat or whoever they're with. Um, and that's the whole thing, you know, and again, when you're saying interviewing like a big star, if you're engaged with them, then that's, that's half the battle because they're also so used to people coming in and just not being engaged and just going, oh, what's my next question? Or looking at a sheet of paper and going, I've got, you know, I've got 10 questions. You know, there's nothing wrong with people having a list of questions, but, you know, if you engage with the person, then you can converse and pick up in something they've said. And quite often in interviews, I'll watch people and I think, oh, they missed an opportunity there because that person mm. mentioned something that you want to pick up on rather than going, uh, but I also want to ask you about your favorite pizza or something. You know, it's it, again, it's just that simple thing of, of being present and engaging with the person. And, and listening as well, I think, because it's listening to what the other person's saying, taking it in and giving them a response that, like you just said, that maybe they're looking for. Absolutely. And, you know, I've heard so many people say uh, something that is so valid, which is when you're speaking, you're not hearing anything you haven't heard before, but when you're listening to someone else, you are. And so you do, you want to hear what some what someone else is saying it could be really valid you could learn something whereas if you hear your own voice as i am at the moment <laughs> you're not you're not learning much and you've spoken you've just spoken about what you do kind of to kind of ground yourself and you kind of take note of the things that are surrounding you to make sure that you're present in the room is there anything else that you do to kind of 
keep you keep sounds this is really badly phrased but keep your head uh-huh. in a good place so to make sure that you you're you're the best you so you look like a particularly fit guy so do you kind uh-huh. of do exercise or anything like that oh yeah kind of- i mean there, there definitely is uh you know yeah again it goes back to what my mum dear old mum said you know just do your best that's all you can do um and again that you know, being fit, mentally fit as as you can be, physically fit, I think also helps. And I think just going in with the right attitude and also a little bit of visualize, a bit of a bit of visualization also helps sometimes as well. You know, the night before something, um, you know, like you have, um, you know, athletes in the hundred meters, you know, they will stand and they'll look at the, the finishing line and visualize it coming towards them <laughs> and getting closer. So that, you know, when they set off, they actually think they can hit it quicker than they ever could. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of that. You visualize things, you visualize the interview, you visualize it going well, you visualize having fun, you visualize getting good answers and all the rest of it. And I think there's a little bit of that that helps, you know, it puts your head into a good state. It's in a positive state rather than thinking, here's all the things that could go wrong. Like, here's all the things that could go right. And then also, occasionally, if you think about, well, what could go wrong? Okay, how would you deal with that? And again, sometimes it's a really simple answer. And you think, okay, well, that's it. If the worst, if the worst happens, then it's not that bad. You know, and especially at the moment, we know there's so many people all over the world in terrible, terrible situations. So no matter what you think is going to be bad, guaranteed there's going to be someone that's in a much worse situation so you know it, it's it's not the worst thing in the world and also you know I, I say to a lot of people within my business especially younger people coming through is that you're all everyone always is looking up the ladder you're going oh who's up there who's ahead of me they got that they've got this they're doing this I'm not doing that and you forget to look back down the ladder and then you would see so many many more people so be encouraged by that that you're actually, you know, doing not bad. You're on the ladder. Even if you're on the ladder, you're doing well. Uh, and I think, you know, we we do. And listen, I come from Scotland. We we knock ourselves. You know, we, you know, Britain. And I think Australia is the only nation that is has the tall poppy syndrome. You know, where they love to build people up and then chop them down. Um, so it's hard. You know, and I think again, it's hard when you come from. Uh, certain places or certain backgrounds that, you know, we're not great at self-promoting. Americans are amazing at self-promotion, as we know. Uh, you know, they have wonderful ways of doing it. You know, you can just ask them, hi, how are you? And we'd just be like, oh, great, thanks. How are you? They're well, let me tell you. And then they're straight into, you know, everything that they're doing at that moment, uh, where we just a little bit more sort of under the radar. Um, but you know, for a lot of them, it works. You know, you, I'll see them in meetings, and you're you're, you, you know, this isn't a, a like an interview meeting, but you know, you're just at a meeting, and they'll be like, "So, Russ, you're probably wondering, or you're probably thinking," uh, and then they ask the question, and you think, "I wasn't thinking that at all," but they ask the question because they've already got an answer prepared, uh, which is a really interesting way, and it's it's, I'm not saying it's not clever. Um, it's interesting and sometimes it works and I see you think oh well I wasn't going to ask that but all right oh well <laughs> so it's clever they've, they've they've already got a prepared answer and in terms of the whole speaking aspects of talking about how you feel your emotions and stuff like that are you would you say that you're quite good at that and are you quite kind of open in terms of if if you're feeling a particular way in a certain situation, you're not happy with that you'll speak out and say, look, I'm not feeling that great today. Or I, I, I think in my private life, yes. In, in a more public life, you can't really, because you have to perform. You have to be on the TV. You have to smile. You have to shine. You know, you have to get through it. And we do have all the, the, the silly old sayings in show business of, you know, Dr. Footlights. And it's true. You know, I mean, I've, I've been in the show and I've been in the wings being sick into a bucket and then running back on and, you know, in the middle of a, a kind of dance routine type thing and singing and joking and all the rest of it, because that's what you have to do. That's part of the business, I think. And even when it's the TV stuff, you know, you have to 
you you have to get out there. It's part of our job, and that's it. No one's. I don't think anyone could care less whether or not if you're not feeling like it today. You've got to get out there and do it. In your private life, I think it's a it's a different thing, and I I completely agree. I think that. Uh, I mean, again, I was lucky as a kid. You know, mum and dad and my sister were really close family, brought up to express our feelings. Um, and we do, you know, I mean, I, I can blub at the, the drop of a hat, uh, you know, and I, I get really emotional when I've got to speak about something. And, and also I do get emotional on TV, you know, sometimes when you're talking about a situation that's really sad or, you know, I've had to cover terrorist attacks and horrible shootings out here and it does affect you, you know, and, and in so many different ways, you know, you come off air and you're sitting there thinking, Oh my goodness me. And then, you know, you think, well, we're going to leave this time. We're going to fly out of this time tomorrow. And you're kind of leaving it all behind. And there's a bit of guilt because you think, well, we've come in here. We've done all this stuff. And now you guys are left with it. And you're left with it for the rest of your lives. And you've got to try and let some of it go. Because if not, it just builds up and builds up and builds up. But uh, no, I, I was lucky as a, as, a, as a kid. I was sort of encouraged to, in some respects, to, to talk about things, but equally, you know, I also was brought up in, in an era where you occasionally would get a smack in the back of the head and just go, get on with it, you know, come on, what's wrong with you? Come on, son. <laughs> you know, and that was even, you know, when you were playing football, you get a smack in the back of the head when you were sometimes thinking, I'm not doing well today. So again, you mentioned it earlier about people's upbringing and it's such a huge impact in your life that sometimes you don't realize it till you're older. Yeah, and I think that it, it's become a lot more prevalent in, in my adult life as well because I thought that you it, it, it was a sign of weakness to show your emotions, mm. as, as particularly as a guy. I think that it's you're kind of told to not told to bottle things up. You, you're kind of pushed into that direction, aren't you? So it's it's a it's a difficult one. Whereas I think now, blokes are kind of open up a little bit more like you said I think particularly like you said if, if there's been a um like a horrendous catastrophe on, yeah. on television and you might be slightly emotional it I think it kind of humanizes the situation because people can resonate a lot more with what's just happened yeah I think you're absolutely right we just got to again it's like face things more than we ever did and there's more it seems to me that because with social media, I know we keep going back to it, but that that has caused so many problems. Um, you know, it's like, it's like the Monty Python thing of the Industrial Revolution, a blessing or a curse? Discuss. You know, and it's, it's a little bit like that, social media, a blessing or a curse. And in many respects, it's both, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly got its, it's a lot of negatives, isn't there? But there's also yeah. some positives because yeah. I for me personally I wouldn't have been able to tell my story and help a couple of people out by doing this if I didn't have social media because I wouldn't have that reach but yeah I think in terms of people being able to trial abuse and put people down it's um it's it's probably worse than ever at the minute I'd say oh uh, again and you you know talking to friends in the in the UK today that because of lockdown and you know we're we're nowhere near as bad as 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 things are in the uk there is this fatigue and i get it completely and i think fatigue is the perfect word to describe how people are feeling about things and you know i've had little bits but nothing compared to what people have been like in britain and they're at breaking point and again it's all those old expressions you know it's the straw that breaks the camel's back you know it's not the huge weight it's a straw and i think that for so many people at the moment, they've got to be so careful because you can sense it. I mean, I hear it in friends' voices that, you know, at first they're like, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, no, it's all, oh, oh it's, well, you know, it's it's tough and we're fighting and we're this or we're that, whatever. And uh, it's just being aware of it, as you say. Well, I think a lot of people have suffered with their mental health throughout the whole of the pandemic. I think that cases of mental illness have gone up well, skyrocketed since yeah. the beginning because people have been, I guess, forced into a situation that they wouldn't have ever considered themselves being in. But have you, have you in your life ever had to help somebody out that's been had a mental illness, or have you kind of had to 
speak to somebody that has had a mental illness and how did you kind of navigate that sort of situation? Um, I have a bit. I mean, I don't want to to make it sound like, wow, you know, this is what I did. Um, you know, I, I've had a few friends that out here and and also back in the UK. I mean, I'm, I, I do... Again, I, I use the word lucky a lot when I get interviewed, but it's the truth. You know, I realize I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate. Um, the position that I'm in, the family that, I, that I've that i had and have, um, and the, friend, the good friends that I have as well. So I, I get that. And also the fact that I'm, I'm an up person. I've always been lucky that, you know, that little bloke from Glasgow you see in the TV is me. It's not, you know, it's not an act. Um, and that's always been good for me. You know, I've got a lot of friends who are comedians and, you know, a lot of them are much, much darker and all the rest of it. So I, it's never, it, that side of it's never been a problem because I just do what I do and it's me. Uh, but with some friends I've, I've had to have a lot of conversations with. And again, my simple, and again, I, I hate to use the word simple because I feel that I'm doing the whole thing down, but, you know, the old one foot, you mentioned it as well, one foot in front of the other. It's like take each day at a time. And, you know, I had a dear friend out here that I talked to her about this just two, three weeks ago because she's getting to that point. And, you know, there's no work and every single thing seems to be, you know, coming down. And I said, look, you just got to try that waking up in the morning. Do you wake, if you waken up, you know, my dear old dad used to say every day above the ground's a good one. And, you know, I know that sounds somewhat flippant, but, you know, you do. You're waking up. Okay, I have waken up. Great. Well done. Good start. Okay. Am I suffering from COVID today? No. Or, you know, hopefully not. Great. Okay. There's another positive. Okay. Am I suffering from anything else at the moment? There's another positive. And it's taking those little positives. No. I know some people are not going to wake up tomorrow. Some people are going to wake up and go, yeah, I have got COVID. But it's just trying to take it one little step at a time because that's how it works. You know, that's, you have to, for me and a couple of my friends, and again, this isn't my, you know, guide to happiness for everyone. But I think there is that little thing of taking it one step at a time, that thing of being present, not, not thinking ahead too much. You know, I, I found that with a lot of friends out here, this is mildly interesting, is that everyone towards the end of 2020 was going, yes, we're nearly there. We're going to see the back of 2020. Goodbye, 2020. We hated you, you know, get rid of you and all that stuff. And I kept saying, look, I understand the sentiment and I'm with it, but just don't wish all this away because... 2021 is going to come in and it's going to be very similar, you know, and it might even be harder. So if you, if you, if you get too much into this, always thinking ahead and thinking, well, you, you know, even as we all do now, you know, we're thinking, well, well, there's some talk that by Easter will be this, or, you know, here, you know, Joe Biden just said the other day, everyone will be vaccinated by May. Um, so you think, well, that would be amazing, but I'm not thinking, by May, everything's going to be changing. I'm just thinking today, I'm lucky here in LA, the sun is shining today. So lucky. That's today. And I feel well today. That's that's good. You know, it's just build on those things rather than continually. I, I always think it's like a child. And I was the same as a child. You know, Christmas is coming. And you just wanted only 24 sleepovers till Christmas. You know, as opposed to enjoying the fact that Christmas would be coming. <laughs> that you could have fun and, you know, it would happen eventually, but not wish your life away. Um, so that's kind of, and, and I hate to use, again, the words simple and simplistic and all the rest of it. But for me, that that works. And for a couple of friends that I've spoken to, it, it works a bit. I mean, it's obviously not the answer to everything, and nor is it something that I've had to particularly deal with myself. So, I don't want to say, you know, I was in an incredibly dark place and I got through it this way. Um, it's just little bits maybe that will help, hopefully will help. This is a pretty impossible question to answer. Uh-huh. How, would <laughs> Ross, how would Ross King personally beat the stigmas around mental health? I think 
in what you actually say is how would you beat the stigmas is that there shouldn't be any stigmas. I think that's, that's a simple thing. Again, I hate to use the word, the, the simple thing, but yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be any stigmas. And the more we break down any kind of stigma, then that's it. The once the you can do it, we can break them down. And I think that we are doing that now, you know, things have got a name now that they didn't have before. Um, you know, we understand things a lot, lot more now. You know, and I think back to when I was at school, you know, there were people at school that even when I was at school, you know, people were dyslexic, but there wasn't a word for it. No one knew that. Um, and I think the more that we know and the more that we can educate people. And again, the simple thing that there's no stigma to it. It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's a horrible thing to suffer from, but it's not an embarrassing thing. And, and I, I, I think there's definitely a huge, I sense a huge turnaround. You know, I mean, here, here in LA, um, I'll give you an, an example, not, not particularly of mental health, but it was an interesting thing that I was doing a scene in the acting class and the coach said to me, okay, well, she said that now do it like you're talking to your therapist. And I was like, okay. So I did the scene and he went, no, no, no. Like you're talking to your therapist. And I was like, okay, I did it again. He went, no, Russ, like you're talking to your therapist. And I said, well, I, th I thought I was like, I was talking to my therapist. And he said, well, how do you talk to your therapist? And I went, I don't have a therapist. And the whole class went. <gasps> and, you know, at that moment I thought, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, therapy, I, I just haven't been to it. But it was interesting that this whole class were like, oh, my goodness me. It was almost like the other way around. Like, you don't have a therapist. You've never been to therapy. And, you know, the, the Americans were obviously into all that so much more. Uh, and people will argue too much or whatever. But I think the great thing is there's no if someone said, you know, out here would be the most obvious thing in the world. If someone said, oh, who's your therapist or, you know, how often do you go to therapy? And it's not like, oh, dear, they go to therapy, you know, and I think that's the great thing that is that is being is being broken down. And go back to what you were saying is. It, it's almost like not the things to remove the stigma, it's just remove the stigma. <laughs> it's definitely getting better because I think that, again, I, I, I see a therapist every week at the minute. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't mind saying that. I, I would say it to anybody. Yeah. But I think, again, a year ago. I wouldn't have been telling anybody that I, my wife yeah. would have known my parents wouldn't know about it. My friends yeah. wouldn't know about it because I'd be too embarrassed to say. And I think that like you said, it is getting better every single day because people are speaking about these things, not being, I guess, embarrassed, like you said about mm. speaking about it. For example, if I would have come up with that to you a year ago, mm -hmm. I would have gone, what's Ross going to think of me? He's going to think I'm an absolute weirdo for, for going to therapy yeah. because it's, it's not normal. It's not a normal thing. Whereas now it's, it's big, it's, it's becoming normal, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and so it should be. That's the thing, isn't it? That people shouldn't suffer in silence because um, they just shouldn't. And I think that more people, I'm not saying everybody's understanding. We're not at that point yet, but more and more people are. And again, people like yourself who come forward and say, look, this is how I feel. This is what I'm doing. This is helping. This is making me better. That's the other simple thing. You know, if people realize that it's not, it's not just like a confession, <laughs> you know, it, it's a confession with an end to it, which is that I'm, I'm going to be better. I'm going to get better. And that's the thing. And it gives people hope. And, you know, especially at the moment, as we've said about the fatigue of lockdown and everything that, that COVID has brought, to have something like that, is just, you know, wonderful. I've got a really quick, quick fire round that I, sure, I do yeah. for every podcast. So, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm ready. Right, let's do it. So, okay. cats, or, cats or dogs? Dogs. Phone calls or text messages? Phone calls. City break or beach holiday? Beach holiday. Bath or shower? Bath. Plan ahead or take each day as it comes? Take each day as it comes. A good book or a good film? Good film. The morning or the evening? Oh, evening. <laughs> I mean, this one might be a little bit difficult. I don't know. Yeah. The UK or the US? Oh, that's such a hard one. Yeah. Uh, I love America. 
and America has been brilliant to me. I love it. I've spent a lot of time here now. Uh, but, you know, the UK, Scotland will always be home. And, you know, who knows? You know, one day I, I may well go go back, whether it's to Scotland or or to England. You know, again, both places, you know, I love. So, yeah, no, I have that one. I I have to sit on the fence. I'm sorry, but I do have to. It's annoying as it may seem. I have to just, you know, straddle that one and go both. <laughs> I, I do try and chuck in a, an unanswerable one at the end. Oh, you do? Just for sheer devilment, just out of nastiness, Look, Thank you so much for doing this. And My pleasure. Been- so lovely to chat to you. Oh, and, to talk to you. and well done with everything that you're doing as well. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Know. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Get in touch if there's anything at all. Um, thank you for having me on. And uh, again, congratulations to you and all that you're doing. It's brilliant. Thank you, Ross. And yeah, speak to you soon. Take care. Cheers, thank all you. Later. See you later. Bye. 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 Thanks again to Ross for coming on the stress sessions and thank you for listening. I really enjoyed that one and I say this about pretty much every guest but I think that's my favourite one so far. He was just so bloody lovely to speak to. If you've enjoyed what you've heard please share, subscribe and shout the stress sessions from the rooftops. Post something on social media, ring a mate and tell them about it. WhatsApp your family, I just want to spread the word and help out as many people with a mental illness as I can. I'll also give you something to listen to whilst you're working, relaxing in the bath or chilling with a cup of tea. Finally, I'm no mental health expert, nor are the guests that come onto the stress sessions to speak about their experiences. If you do suffer from a mental illness, please, please speak to someone. Tell them that you're struggling and contact a professional. Help is always there, so please don't suffer in silence. In case you need them, I've linked to all of the mental health charities and resources in the podcast notes so please feel free to use them if you think you need them thank you so much again for listening have a lovely week and look out for the next episode next monday when i'll be speaking to another amazing guest thank you bye